So here is something else. We've talked about the COP26 and we've talked about the different points, the reports, the IPCC report, the code red. I'd like to talk about something a bit different, still related, don't worry. And it's still about the oceans and it's still about communicating the message. So here it is. Arch is an international language. And I was reminded of this as I stumbled across an article that came out in the BBC. It's called COP26, the sculpture created from 1765 Antarctic air. That's the year 1765. And it was authored by the arts correspondent of BBC News, Mr. Vincent Dowd. I embrace this kind of uh, work. I personally love art for its universality and communication. And I think that it's fantastic that they acknowledge this and they chose to use it for communication at the COP26. And I'm going to read this article and I hope you will enjoy it. And you'll start to see that the universality of a problem, the one planet, one ocean, and so forth. Art, what a fantastic tool of communication for all the emotion it creates. And in this case, uh, science is a part of it. And here it is. And you'll find out why as I read this article. Antarctic snowfall, two and a half centuries old forms, the basis of a new artwork by Wayne Binitzi, titled 1765 Antarctic Air. It forms the centerpiece to the Polar Zero exhibition in Glasgow throughout the United Nations Climate Summit, COP26. Benissier says he wants his piece to provide an artistic marker of how much the Earth's atmosphere has altered since the crucial date of 1765. The slightly battered old statue of the inventor James Watt on Glasgow Green stands a couple of miles from the city's modern science centre. There's an obvious connection. Watt, who died in 1819, has long been acclaimed as one of the great figures of Scottish science and engineering. But thanks to Benissier, a Royal College of Art PhD candidate, there's a currently a more specific link as well. In 1765, crossing the parkland where the statue now is, Watt successfully threw out through successfully thought through thank you how steam engines increasingly vital to industry could be redesigned to become hugely more efficient the year 1765 is regarded by some as the start of the industrial revolution but benicia says it's also when humans started to do serious damage to the atmosphere which sustains us all in an unusual artistic collaboration with the british antarctic survey He's built the significance of that year into the small but striking installation 1765 Antarctic Air at the heart of the Polar Zero exhibition. We wanted to offer some proximity to what's quite a remote conversation now taking place about global warming, he says. Because of COP26, the Glasgow Science Centre was the obvious place to do it. We're offering a sense of touch and what it means to be in touch with ice and air. As you enter the oval-shaped room, there's a cylindrical glass sculpture on one side, housed in a floor-to-ceiling black steel frame. The cylinder contains a visible area of liquid silicone, and above that is air, carefully extracted from polar ice dating from 1765. 
On the other side of the room is a second cylinder of Antarctic ice. It's intact, but you see it melting all the time. It will be replaced during the run of the exhibition with other ice we have in store. Visitors can touch and hear, and if they're brave even, taste the second lot of ice. In addition, there's a highly evocative soundtrack in the room, blending music and the sounds of nature. The man who mined the ice for the British Antarctic Survey is glaciologist Dr. Robert Mulvaney. He's been visiting the Antarctic for 25 years, staying up for two, for up to 80 weeks in a tent to drill out ice cores between returning, before returning to the British base station. The essence of what we're doing as scientists is to record what happened to the ice sheet over a period of many thousands of years. That way, we can investigate what happened to the climate and to the atmosphere. For instance, next spring, I shall be making a trip to Greenland where the ice sheet can give a record going back around 120,000 years. But in Antarctica, we've already been back over 800,000 years, and a new project will, we hope, uh, take us back up to 1.5 million years. Given those mind-boggling figures, the water dripping slowly from Benizia's installation, the ice had already been in storage for 30 years. May seem of minor importance. We've done all the science on it now, and it was a surplus to requirements. So the British Antarctic Survey was delighted to cooperate on the art project because we want people to understand what's happening to the polar regions. 1765 is usually accepted as the beginning of the period in which human beings changed the atmosphere through the burning of fossil fuels on an industrial scale. Dr. Mulvaney makes uncovering ice from 256 years ago sound like child's play. Once you've set up your tents around a thousand kilometers from the home comforts of the Antarctic base station. Snow falls in Antarctica year by year, but there's no melting going on, so the snow builds up and compresses all the years of snow beneath. As we drill down, we're driving further and further into the past, a bit like counting the rings of a big tree. What helps is that every so often we know that a certain volcano blew up in a particular year, and we may find evidence of that. So using our drills to find a specific year isn't quite as hard as you would imagine. Analysis shows that in 1765, carbon dioxide made up 280 parts per million in the air. By the 1960s, that had already increased to 315 parts per million. But today, the figure is 415 per million, an obvious increase in the rate of change. The ice supplied for the Binissi artwork came from 110 meters down. The deepest Dr. Mulvaney has drilled in around three, is around 3,200 3, meters. Binissi was meant to experience all of this courtesy of the BAS, but that's the British Antarctic Survey, but COVID got in the way. It's obvious how much Dr. Mulvaney delights in describing the experience of being there. Asked if satellite phones keep the small team safely in touch with the world, he says he does his best not to use them. It brings the troubles of the world onto the site, and I need to be focused on the work. Once the ice core was extracted, the job was to release the flecks of air trapped in the Antarctic in 1765. Benicia's concept is to establish this as a starting line, the purest possible air trapped in ice just before the modern world started to pollute it. The international engineering company, Arup, 
helped out with some of the practicalities. Graham Dodd of Arab says encasing 256-year-old air within glass was a challenge. After a lot of thought, we decided the right technique was to make a casing with a void inside which we then filled with fluid. We had to find a way so Robert could then inject into that space the air extracted from the ice that the British Antarctic Service had given us. The other artistic challenge was to find a way to display the other column, which is simply ice. As an artist, Wayne needed visitors to see and hear the ice dripping away very slowly, as that makes the point about global warming. Arab's engineering job was to ensure it doesn't disappear too quickly. Benicia thinks the global warming conversation can sometimes feel too generic, with issues almost too big to comprehend. So I hope our installation in Glasgow will persuade people that the polar regions are a sufficiently precious thing to care about. Some perspectives are political or theoretical or economic, but we're trying to supply a poetic perspective too. Benicia hopes some of the VIPs attending COP26 nearby will come to see his installation. We'd like 1765 Antarctic ice to surprise them. I want to do something to encourage a collective conversation. If we move forward collectively, we know we can achieve a lot. There you have it. I hope you've enjoyed this article. You can find it on BBC News. You'll find it under 1765, the sculpture created. And uh, created from uh, 1765, Antarctic Air. I hope you will enjoy this topic. There'll be more in the topic of art as a uh, form of communication, which is universal. I hope it stimulates further thoughts and further interests and that you go out and follow your curiosity along whatever path it takes you. Thank you very much for listening and until the next recording.